0: If we haven't met, my name is Jack, uh, and I'm a member here at Barney's. Uh, well, I wonder if you've ever tried to talk about your faith with someone, and it's just come up a little bit short. I think there's been lots of times in my life where I've tried to share Jesus, but it just hasn't quite worked. Uh, I can remember being out one night uh, and someone coming up to me and saying, Hey, I heard you're a Christian. What's that about? I thought, Great, I'd love to share. And in I went, and 10 minutes later, without having drawn breath, the guy looked at me and said, dude, do they give you a script to say? (laughs) I was devastated. I was genuinely excited and trying to share something that was so important to me, but it just didn't work. Or sitting in a philosophy tube uh, at uni with the Cambridge PhD philosophy lecturer uh, who made a comment, something along the lines of, well, we all know that God's been disproved. I felt like I should say something in that moment. The opening was there. I actually had something to say. I'd thought about this before. I knew what I was going to say. But I just froze in that moment. Uh, But actually, some of the harder times were when you really want to share. You've got something important to share about your faith. You want the other person to know about it. But there is just kind of no opening for it. No way into a conversation that isn't jarring or kind of weird or alien. Jesus means everything to you, but then you start talking about this guy called Jesus 2,000 years ago who was God, but also man, who was also born of a virgin, but actually also of the Holy Spirit, who was also God, and it just isn't very compelling. You can feel like you're a million miles away from them. It can feel like you are on different planets. That there's this gap between what you believe and those around you at church believe, and then this other worlds that your workmates, friends, families inhabit. And they don't seem to have any interest about Jesus or God at all. So how do you even start a conversation about God or spirituality in this day and age? And what do you say when somebody asks you about your faith? How do you give an answer that actually leads to a conversation and not one that is so weird and alien that there's kind of no follow-up? It just kind of stops there. How do you bridge that gap? Me over here, my classmate, work colleague over there. Well, Over the next two weeks, uh, we're in this little short series where we are going to be thinking about the fact that actually there are connections that we can make. Because no matter how much it might feel like we're two different types of aliens on two different types of planets trying to connect the reality is we aren't we're all on one planet we're all human and we have a common humanity and so there will be points of connection Uh, and this series uh, is based uh, on a new book called making faith magnetic by dan strange Uh, and he's an english theologian and thinker Uh, And he puts it like this. He says, however much it seems to the contrary, our engagement with others is not a cold contact call. Because by virtue of them being created, they are in some sort of relationship with God. In other words, God's there and involved long before we are. And that should be a great source of comfort for us as we think about how we do share our faith. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at two of these touch points, two of these ways into a conversation that can help show uh, our friends and work colleagues that Jesus is for them. In fact, that their deepest needs and desires can only be met when they acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. But one more thing before we jump in, Uh, What we're about to go through is not a formula for how to have a conversation. Before you can have these conversations, you need to have worked it out for yourself. And actually, this might be where some of us are at this morning. Here's Dan Strange again. He puts it like this. He says, what Jesus in the Great Commission calls disciple-making is nothing other than allowing the gospel to transform every part of our lives. So our evangelism should flow out of our discipleship rather than being an add-on activity. He goes on, if my whole life is connected to the gospel and if I'm growing as a disciple in every part of my life, then the task of connecting the gospel to others people's lives becomes more natural because we all face common struggles. So that's what we're trying to do. Let me pray and then we will jump in. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that Jesus does make sense of the world that we live in. Jesus does make sense of our lives. And Father, I pray that you'll be helping us to connect those dots in our own lives to making sure that the gospel is impacting every single part of who we are and what we do. And I pray, Father, that as we do that, uh, our love for others... Uh, and the glory of Jesus might overflow in our lives, uh, that others might see it and might understand how much uh, he can mean to them. Uh, And so, Father, help us uh, by your Holy Spirit this morning uh, just to be thinking well, uh, to be having our hearts open to what you would have to say to us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we are jumping in uh, with what Dan Strange calls totality. Uh, this is the touch point we're looking at this morning. And uh, Basically, totality just means questions about connection. Uh, as humans, we all have a sense that we are a part of something bigger, that we are connected in some way to something beyond us. We want to know that we are not alone. We want to know that we have meaning, a higher purpose in this life. That we have a place in this world. Uh, And you can see that uh, as you have a look at our culture. Uh, If you go to the footy, uh, you'll know that it's more than just a footy game. People turn up religiously. They're a part of a tribe. They have ownership. It's their team. There's this sense of connectedness from when the siren goes and for two and a half hours you're immersed collectively in this game. It helps explain the marketing campaigns of both the crows and the power. We are Port Adelaide. We fly as one. What does that mean? I don't know. But it's the vibe. And the vibe is that it's tapping into this sense of connectedness. We are apart. We are connected when you join in with this team. Uh, We see this in other places as well. It's the same thing that drives people to spend too much time at the pub. Uh, It underpins our drinking and drug culture in Australia. Think about it for a moment. What are drugs and alcohol? Ultimately, they're social lubricants. That is, they allow you to connect to others in ways that you couldn't in the day-to-day. There's a sense in which you take them that you feel alive, that you are a part of something bigger. It allows you to connect, particularly if you find that hard. Or think even of mindfulness and thankfulness trends. Uh, These trends are about being grounded, about connecting with nature and the world around you. It's about being thankful to whatever force there is out there in the universe. Mindfulness and thankfulness are ultimately about connectedness. Uh, And yet, uh, as we look at how our world thinks about this, uh, there's a tension that begins to emerge. And this tension is between the individual and the communal, between the one and the many, between unity and diversity. Because while we all want to be a part of something bigger than us, we don't want to do that at the expense of the individual. We want to join in with the crowd while simultaneously wanting to stand out from the crowd. That's why I dress like every other white, low-church, evangelical person in full-time ministry. But in order to retain my individuality, I wear fun socks. Except, of course, that everybody else also wears fun socks. So even as I fit in with the community that I'm a part of, I try and stand apart, but even as I stand apart, I'm still fitting in. Now, that's a bit of a silly example, of course, but it illustrates this tension, this dynamic. It's as though we're on a seesaw. When we feel lonely and isolated on the individual side of the seesaw, we push back to the other side, to the community end of the seesaw. But when that goes down too low, when we're engulfed in community and we get lost and lose our sense of self, our individuality, we push back to the other end of the seesaw. We push down on the individual side. And life is almost this frantic move from one side to the other. That we want to be both part of something but also need to be apart from it. It's why we can feel both worthy and worthless in the space of a few minutes. It's why two people can go to the same concert, stand virtually next to each other and have one person feel lost and helpless and small amidst a sea of strangers, while the other person can feel connected, empowered and significant as they share that event with others. And this tension our world doesn't deal with very well. Facebook's whole vision and commitment is to connect people in ways that have never been done before. Here's how Mark Zuckerberg described the vision of Meta in 2018. He says the idea, the vision of Meta is to give people the power to build community and to bring the world closer together. You can see in that the ideas of connection, of community, of being a part of something out there. And yet, when we look around at our world, loneliness is at never-before-seen rates. And nobody really disputes that social media has played a huge role in this. Instead of bringing people together, it has fragmented cultures. It has created echo chambers. It has magnified extreme ideas which pushes our culture apart. Or take another example, take romantic relationships. Our culture has a particular narrative around relationships. Namely, that you should be in one because that's how you will become complete. You will find ultimate connection with your life partner. That is the way to live the happy life. That is the way to be fulfilled. And yet, if you get married, and you're married for a significant period of time, you begin to get another message that comes from the other direction. You begin to get the message that actually your marriage is the problem. That divorce really is a good option. That you need to do what's best for you. That's how you can achieve happiness. Sacrificing to connect with another person is really just dragging you down. You need to look after yourself. Those are two completely opposite messages. Our world doesn't know how to deal with this tension. It's lost. It's confused. And so, How does Christianity, and particularly Jesus, speak into and resolve this tension? Well, let's have a look at the biblical story and how it speaks into this idea of connection. Well, for Christians, the ultimate reality in this world is God. And when we look at God, God reveals himself in a really interesting way. God reveals himself to us as Trinity. Now, the idea of the Trinity might be a scary idea for you, but actually it's incredibly important as we think about this. Because the word Trinity is literally just two words mashed together. We have tri, three, and unity, one. God is both one and many. He is both an individual but also a collective. He's three persons, but one God. He's completely unified in himself, but each person, Father, Son, and Spirit, as we saw in the Apostles' Creed, retain their unique distinctions and functions. And so if this is God, the ultimate reality in the universe, is it any wonder that we see this paradox of the one and the many in the world around us? That this tension... Is imprinted into creation itself that this Trinitarian logic underpins reality and particularly for humans who are created as the Bible says in the image of God let's have a look at Genesis 1 26 and 27 on the screen there then God said let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. A few things to notice are in that passage. Number one, we are made in the image of God. We are both distinct from God, but also connected. We are connected in that we are image bearers, but we are distinct in that we are not God. We are created things. Number two, God has created us male and female in the image of God. Again, we have both the one and the many then. There is one humanity, two genders. Distinct, but unified. And number three, we are created with a purpose. It is not an accident that we are here. It is not simply a survival of the fittest type situation. God has made us out of love in order to create a home for all creation. We are as image bearers to build cultures, to cultivate this creation. As humans, we are both distinct but also connected to the world around us. We have a place and a purpose in this world. But there's a problem, isn't there? Why isn't this working? What's happened to have tipped this balance? Well, because after Genesis chapter 1 and 2 comes Genesis chapter 3. Humanity rebels against God, and what Christians call sin is what has destroyed the connections that we had. We can see that in the way that Genesis 3 uh, is written. Number one, the connection between Adam and Eve is severed. Genesis 3.16, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. We see there the perfect matching of the two genders is now frustrated and broken. The connection between humanity and creation is broken. Genesis 3.17, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. But most tragically, our connection between God and humanity is severed. Genesis 3.24 puts it like this. After God drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Edom cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth, to guard the way to the tree of life humanity in our rebellion have fled God's place have rejected God's rule and are no longer God's people and humanity has been laboring under this lack of connection ever since we've been sitting on that seesaw oscillating between the individual and the collective It's why we can feel at one moment connected and alive and then at the next moment cut off and dead. We can feel like we are kings and gods who can conquer the world and next feel worthless and useless, just like any other creature. So what hope is there for us? Well, God, who is triune, who is love, who created this world out of love, has sent Jesus to take on human form in order to reconnect the world, to get the balance right between the one and the many. So let's have a look at Jesus and how Jesus describes himself and his mission in John's Gospel, and particularly the way that he uses this horticultural metaphor. So for all the gardeners out there, this one's for you. John 15, 5 and 6 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. To understand this properly we need to know that jesus here is riffing on this old testament idea of israel as a fruitless vine that is israel was supposed to be like a vine that flourished and provided fruit for others and yet israel was disobedient and so it produced no fruit and so jesus here is saying i am the true israel i am the true vine that produces fruit and that if you are in me If you are connected to me, then you will bear much fruit. You will flourish. You will have life to the full. You can see that connectedness language is all the way through it. In order for us to flourish, we need to be connected to the life source. No branch has ever produced fruit when it has been cut off from the vine. And Jesus has made a way for us to have life. Because it was through his death... That we can have life it is through the cross that we can have union with Christ that we can be in Christ that we can become connected with the triune God again and notice as well that this balance is restored then between the one and the many we are one with God connected but not at the expense of our individuality we are still branches still bearing fruit We have a purpose and a place in this world. But we're able to do that because we are connected with this life source. But there's another element to this as well. We're connected to God, but connected to one another. Have a look at what John 15, 9 to 12 says. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands, you will remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Do you see what this is saying? If we are to be a part in the vine that is connected through Jesus to the triune God, then we are to keep his commands. That is, we are to bear fruit. And what is the fruit that we are to bear? Well, we are to love each other as I have loved you. That is, to be connected with others around you in love. Because the triune God has connected with you in love. As individuals we come to God and we get a new identity but that identity pushes us to the communal we are connected to all the other branches who are also in Jesus and so my faith connects me with the wider church as an individual in Christ I'm automatically part of a community that is far bigger and greater than I am on my own an association that is bigger and stronger and longer-lasting than anything we could possibly understand or imagine. We are connected to Jesus and to the church, not just for this life, but into eternity. And we are connected in such a way that our individuality is not lost or diluted, but instead where we are in our place, doing what we were created to do. The book of Revelation pictures what that time will look like, particularly in Revelation 7. And have a look at how the unity and the diversity is held together here in this picture of heaven. Revelation 7, 9 and 10. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. There's the diversity. We don't lose our individuality. We don't lose our culture. We don't become monochrome. But also there is unity because that unity is about us all standing before the throne and before the lamb, seeing salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Through Jesus, our deep-seated desires for connection is met. The cross has reconnected us to God and in doing so we are connected with those who are also in Jesus. The cross has reconnected us to God and in doing so we are connected with those around us who are also in Jesus. And so the invitation to the world around us, to our friends and work colleagues, is that you are welcome into this connection. Jesus is so eager to give you life that he was prepared and willing to come and die for it. But it's not just a welcome, is it? As though this is just one choice amongst many. Because if this Bible story is correct, then there's an added urgency to this. That there is no other way for our world to find ultimate connection. Because without Jesus, our friends and classmates will remain disconnected and stuck to be perpetually searching. And so as we finish, two thoughts to help us think about how this actually helps us as we try and share our faith. Two thoughts to finish with. The first one is this. One of the best ways to introduce people to God is to introduce them to God's community. A great way to introduce people to God is to introduce them to God's community. At 2,000 years on from Jesus, we can't see God, but we can see the community that he is building. We can see the impact in his church of a community that has been transformed, a community that is both diverse and and unified. Uh, I work uh, at Adelaide University as a chaplain there and one of the best things I got to do last semester was walk into a Bible study group that met every single week that was completely diverse. It had four international students, one from Hong Kong, one from Singapore, two from Sri Lanka. It had two students from rural Australia and others just from Adelaide. It was split evenly along gender lines men and women studying God's Word together it was completely diverse and every time I walked in I thought this is what it's all about there is no other place in this uni that would bring this collection of people voluntarily together people who genuinely enjoyed each other's company who were learning from one another who were diverse and yet unified in Jesus and the gospel. And that's what our churches should look like, isn't it? Diverse, open to all people, caring particularly for the lonely, for the outcasts, for those who our culture shuns. They might not have a place in society, but they need to have a place in our churches. And we need to be cultivating this because this is the way that Jesus has loved us. He has cared for us in this way. And so we need to reflect this love. But as we think about our world, this is what we need to invite people into. Invite people to events, invite people to church, to let them experience God's love through his community, through his church. As we think about our friends and family, that's often the best step that you can take. As people look for connection, as they look for community, we can offer them Jesus' community. And as they experience the love of the church, we offer connection and community with Jesus, who is the true vine that gives life to the full. second thought then to finish life to the full is living a life of meaning and purpose because we are connected to the true vine Jesus life to the full is living a life of meaning and purpose because we are connected to the true vine Jesus what do you say when someone comes up to you and says tell me about your faith what's being a Christian all about I know that you go to church What does it mean for you to live life to the full? How would you answer that? How would you give a short 30 seconds, one minute answer that encapsulates these things, that is just an entry point that actually genuinely leads on to further conversation? Or perhaps you could use this idea of connection. And perhaps it could go something like this. Being a Christian for me is about living connected with God. For me, it's about knowing that I have a place and a purpose in this world, that there is reason I get up in the morning. There's meaning to what I do. There's security for me in knowing that God loves me and a mission to love others as Jesus has loved me. That's what motivates my life. That's why life is great. That is what life to the full is. What does life to the full look like for you? We're going to finish there. I'm going to pray for us, uh, but keep thinking about these things, uh, keep working on this stuff, uh, and keep bedding it down in our own hearts uh, so that it does overflow in our lives. Let me pray as we finish. Father, thank you so much for the way that you have reconnected us, that you have sent your son Jesus uh, to to pick up the pieces that we have left uh, and connect us as the true vine, Father, we pray that you would help us to live this out in our lives, Um, that our church, particularly here at Barney's, uh, but the church worldwide would be one, uh, that is marked uh, by this diversity unified in the gospel. Uh, And I pray uh, as well as we think about our world out there that is searching and striving for connection, that you would give us the words uh, to show them that true connection uh, can only be found in Jesus uh, and with connecting with him. Uh, And so, Father, we pray that our world would find this connection, that you would make yourself known, uh, and that in your goodness you would use us to play a part uh, in this. Uh, And we pray all of this uh, in your Son's name. Amen.